0: Please, please, and turn to Second Thessalonians. As you're turning um, there, we sang Happy Birthday to Charlotte, and I was teasing her a little bit when she came forward there that she and I were going to sing a duet. You should have seen her face. <laughs> no, you shouldn't have seen her face. Oh, no. All right. Wish her happy birthday later on individually. All right, we're in 2 Thessalonians, and that's a New Testament book. We are studying today the issue of future things. Most particularly, we're studying about the Antichrist. Some of you have studied eschatology, and you're well aware of the fact that The Bible speaks about this coming one who's going to deceive the world and he's going to uh, do a lot of incredible damage. In fact, if you study the Old Testament, you'll see this antichrist predicted. He's called the little horn in Daniel. He's called the prince to come. He's called the willful king In Revelation, he's called the beast, and now in 2 Thessalonians chapter two, he's called the man of lawlessness. Now, I can't really say to you this is an exciting topic for me to talk about, but nevertheless, it is in God's word, and we need to be aware of what is going to happen in the future and who this individual is so let me read the passage of scripture and this is second thessalonians chapter 2 i have a word of prayer and then we'll introduce it now we beseech you brethren by the coming of our lord jesus christ and by our gathering together unto him that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then that shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth But had pleasure in unrighteousness. So stop there and reading. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask now that you would help us to understand your word. Understand that you're in control of everything. and Even uh, some things that are not pleasant to talk about. You're in control of this world system. And we pray that you would help us to trust you. And now to understand your word and be obedient to it, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I don't have to say this to you, you're well aware of the fact that there's sometimes we hear world events and we tremble. And if it's a national event, sometimes it's like, oh no. And even sometimes local events can cause a measure of anxiety and cause us to get frazzled and lose our equilibrium. Well, uh, the believers in the church of Thessalonica had heard some teaching on future things. The Apostle Paul addresses some of those things in the first letter. He had already taught them prior to this about what was gonna happen in the future, but they had some unclearness about this. Now, I don't know how you are affected by uh, wrong kinds of teaching, but sometimes it can be rather unsettling. And you may find yourself some measure of like, what in the world is going to happen? How could it be? And we get, we get frazzled. Now, if somebody sees you frazzled and you start to talk about it, they might say something like this, would you just cool it? Or would you just chill out or calm down? I mean, what are the expressions that are used today? Well, the apostle Paul didn't use those vernacular terminology, but he did say something like this. As he's coming to these Thessalonians who had been hearing some wrong teaching he says, I don't want you to be soon shaken in mind." Uh, basically, that's saying, listen, believers, settle down. Don't get all anxious. So what happened? Well, you know the Apostle Paul was not there in their presence. He had, uh, had to leave because the persecution got so intense. So that's why he's writing back to them. But some individuals, we don't have it spelled out who, had come along and started teaching some false teaching about the future things and what was going to occur. And he tells them, now listen, if somebody comes to you with some kind of word, maybe a spoken word, or they come to you with some epistle or some letter, as if it has come from us, In essence, he said, don't believe it. Because it was false teaching that was disseminating abroad among the church, among the believers, and causing them to be somewhat upset. So he wants their minds to be settled. And part of the settlement, in order for them to be settled, he needs to give some instruction about what's occurring. You see, the time would be coming... And certainly we still know that it will be coming when God is going to judge this world for the rejection of him. Now, the Old Testament prophets describe this period as the day of the Lord. You may see this, the day of Christ here. But this, is, this beginning of the period is commonly referred to as the tribulation period and it actually is not just a one day 24-hour day which we typically think that word is but it's an extensive period of time beginning in the tribulation where god's going to bring severe judgment upon the world he's going to bring tremendous judgment even upon the nation of israel and that day the lord according to the prophets is actually going to extend all the way out into the millennial kingdom so kind of keep this in mind if you are looking at that idea. This is essentially, most of the time, talking about a time of judgment, very serious judgment. And anybody who had any indication or any understanding of the Old Testament prophets uh, teaching on this particular subject thought, wow, this is a bad time. Now, for those of you who maybe have not read the book of Revelation, if you wanna get a little broader idea how serious this time of judgment is, read Revelation chapter four through Revelation chapter 19. That's speaking about a specific time period called the tribulation period. And it's the inception of God's judgment upon this earth and upon this world. Now here's just a little brief explanation about this, and there's a whole lot more I could say about it, but somehow or other, these believers in the church of Thessalonica were hearing that they were in the midst of this time of judgment. And the apostle Paul corrects their thinking, basically saying, no, 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 hold on. He's saying, listen, this time period has not started and i am well aware when i say this that there have been some who may be well meaning but misdirected who think that we are now in that time of judgment the tribulation period it might feel that way it might seem that way but the terrible things that we are experiencing right now and seeing all around about us are a microcosm. You like that big word? It's about the biggest word I know. But it is a just the small spattering of how bad it's going to be in the future time of judgment in the tribulation period. Now, I, I, I'm gonna imagine that some of these Christians were experiencing such fierce persecution and trials that they started to think, we must be in that period. And all they needed to do was have their fears fanned by false teachers coming along and saying, you're in it, you're in it, you're right in it. And so the apostle Paul has to alleviate the fears and said, no, no, you're not in it. It's going to be a whole lot bigger. And then what he does is he centers his attention primarily upon this person which we call the Antichrist, and explains that he is going to be coming, and he is going to work havoc in this world. Now, you don't have seat belts there, but in some respects, this is one of these seatbelt type messages, because it's, it's like it can, if you're not settled, you don't know and you don't have assurance of Jesus in your heart, you don't have the promise of God, it can be very, very unsettling. And I don't mean to convey that idea here, but uh, this is going to be a time, the tribulation period, which has not yet happened, even 2,000 late, years later, where there's gonna be a political and religious figure who's going to rise to prominence In opposition to God himself, he is called the man of sin, the son of perdition. I think I alluded to this, but he's called the beast, the wicked one, and we will refer to him as the Antichrist. And he is going to rise to power, and he is going to endeavor to get everybody to worship him as if he is God. Now you say, who is this? Antichrist. There have been a lot of speculations, a lot of names mention who he is. Somebody said, well, is he living right now? Well, if the tribulation period takes place pretty soon, I would say he's been living for a while, all right? Now, I'm not going to put an age on him, but we don't know who it is. There have been a lot of people speculating about this for many, many years. Um, the founder of the Jehovah's Witnesses, Uh, Pastor Charles T. Russell first taught that the world would end in 1874 and then revised his calculations to 1914. After this year passed, his successor, um, Judge Rutherford, asserted that Christ did, in fact, come on October 1914, but invisibly on that day, exchanged an ordinary seat at the Father's right hand for the throne of the kingdom, so no... Coming of Christ is to be expected; has already taken place. All kinds of speculation throughout the centuries have been there, and some have tried to pinpoint and say, "I know who he is." And some of you are probably thinking about some political figure that you have in your mind that you have a distaste for. He's Pastor didn't mention him, but I, I, I'm pretty sure he believes. He believes the same thing I do. That I'm not speculating. I don't know. We don't know who it is, but there will be. Somebody who comes, and he's going to cause absolute chaos. Now, I don't have time to expand on this, but initially, this person is going to make a peace covenant with the nation of Israel. They're going to buy into it, follow him, but in the middle of the the 70th week, or the middle of this seven-year period, he's going to break that covenant with Israel, and then it already was bad, it's gonna go from bad to worse, like the world has never seen as Jesus speaks about this. So in some respects, this message is gonna be what I call informative. And I want you to be knowledgeable of this coming Antichrist who's going to be a Gentile political ruler. We wanna look at some character traits of him and his ultimate end. First of all, his determination for power. You've listened carefully, hopefully, as I read this, but here is an individual who opposes God and every religion that professes worship of God. You know this, right? There's a huge, huge movement for a long time for, because of multiculturalism, pluralism, some of those terms that are out there, but of just everybody just kind of accepting one another, we accept this religion, accept that religion, and so on. Here is going to be something rather unique. It's no longer gonna be the, uh, let's just all just unite, you follow him, you follow. This individual is going to try to rally everybody around him. He is going to profess that he actually is God himself. He sets himself up as God, he shows himself off as an absolute and exclusive deity. So there's not gonna be any toleration of other, other religions at all. This is, this is his ambition. Does he accomplish all those ambitions? Well, he only has a relatively short period of time to do this, but he will not accomplish them. But he is called the man of lawlessness. He sets himself up in opposition to all those who worship the true God, as well as those who worship false deities. We could call him a despot, a dictator, but he is both a, what I call a political uh, ruler who also has a very specific interest in setting himself, himself up as the ultimate deity. Now, the apostle Paul says, this man has not yet come. So in a certain sense, he is saying to them, settle down. This individual will come, he will rise to power and he is going to be very, very bad. And that's, that word is not, uh, doesn't do justice to this. But there's another characteristic that is associated with him and that is his widespread deceit verses 9 to 12 spend some time talking about this deceitful person well where does this individual get his power from he is energized by Satan now what I want you to do if you have your Bible I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 13. I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time there, but Revelation chapter 13, speaking of this same person, we have the word used, beast, but this is talking about this political, religious world ruler, chapter 13 of Revelation. Here's John, the apostle John, seeing this vision. I stood upon the saint of the sea. And they saw a beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast, which I saw, was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And, and notice this next expression. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat in great authority. Now don't think of the dragon as a mythical figure in Greek mythology. The dragon is clearly Satan. And the Bible speaks about this. And this is where he gets his power. And they worship the dragon. So there's a worship of Satan which gave power unto the beast, which was the Antichrist. And they worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? And I keep putting Antichrist in so to understand this. Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So for three and a half Years he's going to be, of course, uh, like doing his extreme uh, deceitfulness, and he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and then that dwell in heaven, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Remember I told you he's going to be against believers and to overcome them. There's going to be a lot of people killed during this time, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Can you see how widespread this power is? And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Now I'll let you, I got you, your appetite whetted for reading the rest of the scripture. You can read that maybe later on, but we're talking about widespread deceit, energized by Satan, And just as Jesus Christ was empowered by God, the Antichrist is going to be empowered by Satan, and he's going to be equipped with supernatural powers, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Now, we have probably heard of some of the hype that's going out about aliens coming from out of space and things like this, and. It sounds like science fiction, and they're trying to figure this out, and they're having these spending gazillion dollars and trying to see if it's really true or not. And people are sending pictures in, and who knows? Everybody's kind of caught up in those things. And there probably is um, a huge measure of just people out there just trying to make some money, all right? But there are thousands and beyond that people who are looking at these supernatural things and thinking, oh, this is this is really happening. And some of them are kind of sucked into these things and and they some of them even thinking that maybe they these individuals should be worshipped, all kinds of weird, crazy things are rather understand. Now I cannot speak with any kind of authority on these particular issues, UFOs, et cetera. I haven't seen any yet. Um, I have some weird dreams and occasionally, maybe a borderline has some visions about crazy stuff, but no, no UFOs in my dreams yet. But regardless, the devil is working to try to get people to believe some really, really unusual, strange things. With all deceivableness, all kinds of deceptions, whether it's Martians come from out of space, where I don't know. But the devil is working, preparing people for this time where there's going to be lots of people to see. Now, especially over the last few years, the last several years, my perception, and again, this is my own perception, is. There have been millions of people, and perhaps more than that, who have been duped and deceived about a lot of the hype that's going on in the news and hesitate to say this, but even some medical establishments and so-called professional, whatever, and they have been fooled into a complete deception about stuff, and they still don't get it. Now, some of you know what I'm talking about. You could read between the lines, whatever. I have read an incredible amount of history on what had happened during World War II under Nazism. And under Nazism, there was a theory that was pushed very heavily. If you tell a lie loud enough and long enough, the masses are gonna believe it. All you have to do is say it loud enough and long enough and drive fear into people, and they're going to believe it. Now, without going off on tangents here, I just want you to know this. I can say that if things happen like they did over this last several years, I'm not putting the blame one person or the other, then it doesn't seem out of the ordinary when this antichrist comes who is empowered by satan who can do all kinds of lying wonders the masses will again be deluded and those who are deluded to the point where they fall into this false worship the antichrist will be confirmed in their lostness once they receive the mark of the beast and they will not be able to be saved now we already know that Satan is the god of this world. He has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose image of God, should shine unto them. The Bible calls him the great deceiver. He is the liar. And Satan is going to use this particular person in what we call the tribulation period to bring about such incredible deception that the world has never even seen before. Now, Jesus alludes to this, if you read Matthew chapter 24 and twenty. Chapter 25, Matthew. But this man is going to have widespread deceit. He's going to exercise all kinds of deceitful practices. The Jews are going to be deceived. Unbelievers are going to be deceived. And if it wasn't for the, God's miraculous work, the, those who were believers would also be deceived. And God's going to protect them from this mass deception now here's something significant You're, you've read this text and studied the text before but the bible talks about that he is going to god is going to he's going to be a he's going to know all this what's going on okay god isn't sleeping when this is happening ultimately he's going to punish uh, this antichrist as well as the unbelieving world But God is going to send judicial blindness upon those who refuse to believe. In other words, individuals who've heard the truth of the gospel, and they've had pleasure in unrighteousness and say, I don't want it, I don't want anything to do with it. Those individuals, perhaps even in this age in which we're living, if they go into the tribulation period, unbelievers, they would. God's going to turn around and he's going to send them a strong delusion. So, this is, it it seems like almost a paradox. It's not a contradiction. Satan is going to use the Antichrist to bring deception. And then God is going to bring judicial blindness to those who refuse to accept the truth. Now, uh, I am aware of the fact that God is merciful and God is gracious and God is not willing that any should perish but all should come to repentance I know that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked I'm totally convinced that God is very full of mercy but he is also a God of judgment and he has already predicted that he will bring this judicial blindness so that they actually believe the lie after they refuse the truth Just go off just a little bit here. It's extremely dangerous for an individual who has heard the gospel that the only way to be saved is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. To keep putting it off, maybe tomorrow. Well, I don't really believe it. Well, maybe, and and then keep putting it off and suppressing the work of the Holy Spirit. And then think, well, if something does happen, like the so-called, whatever it is, rapture, and I go in there, well, then I'll believe it. Don't count on it. In fact, there's really very little assurance if you've rejected the truth and you go in this tribulation period, you're going to believe because God's involved in saying, you know, you had every opportunity to accept me and you have rejected me. Now, it's going to be too late. I think of the verse of scripture, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. All right, so we looked at his determination for power, We looked at his widespread deceit and then we want to look at his ultimate end and that is his inevitable doom. Look please back with me in the passage of scripture. Uh, Hopefully you're familiar with it, but notice it says this. And then shall that wicked be revealed, that's the wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power and lines and one. But don't miss this, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Now we're talking about what's going, to, what's going to be the end of this individual. Is he always going to be victorious? Oh no. He's going to be consumed by the Lord. The very breath of the Lord will slay this political ruler. This Antichrist will experience like the blast of a fiery furnace. And Revelation speaks about this, where this beast is going to be cast into the lake of fire, which burns forever and ever. So his ultimate end will not be good. It will be bad. It will be really bad. He thinks he maybe is going to be victorious. He thinks maybe he's going to get everybody underneath him, but he will not be victorious. He'll be destroyed by the Lord. He will be rendered inoperative and immobilized at the very presence of the Lord. Now, uh, I, I want to bring this in just because a question could be on a few verses here. It talks about somebody who is letting and that idea is restraining. The restrainer is really the Holy Spirit who now indwells believers in what we call the church age. When the rapture occurs, It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit will be diminished, but the Holy Spirit will not have the same ministry. And when the restrainer is removed, that's when it really, really gets bad. And uh, right now, some of the restraints of sin and wickedness that are in this world is because there are believers who the salt of this earth, and they're the light. But when the believers are taken out in what we call the church age, and they're raptured out, then not the Holy Spirit is inactive, but he's going to have a a definitely different, unique ministry in the tribulation period. He's now holding it back, but when he is removed, that's when The Antichrist just goes full bore to carry out his dastardly deeds. But he is not going to last forever. He is going to be destroyed by Jesus Christ. Now I ask a question. As we think about this future time that the Thessalonians were a little bit fearful about, and he's trying to settle their minds. Uh, Will you escape this terrible reign of the Antichrist in what we've called the tribulation period? Will you escape being around this God-hater, this betrayer of Israel, and betrayal of believers? You can escape it. You can escape this terrible reign of the Antichrist if you invite jesus christ to come into your life to be your king your lord and savior i wish i could say that all the people that i speak to that come to bible believing church have this made a right decision and have accepted jesus as their personal savior but statistics say that there are people who regularly come to churches Even evangelical churches, and they like the fellowship, they like the singing, you know, um, they like the jokes that the pastor tells or whatever. But they don't really have Jesus as their Savior. And I can tell you that I've known some people who have sat under my ministry who have very clearly said that they were not saved, and they sat week after week saying they were not saved, Knew they should get saved, but they did not get saved. I even know a man, knew a man who believed in the message so firmly, yet he was so stubborn, he wouldn't get saved. His wife was saved, children were saved. He actually took the little gospel track, God's simple plan of salvation tracks, in his pocket with him when he walked through the park. And he would give it to people and say, you need to read this. I heard the story that he was quite flabbergasted when he gave one to a lady and said, you know, you ought to read this. Now here's a man who's lost. He's not saved because God's simple plan of salvation, to somebody else. And she turns around, Oh, I'm a born again, Christian. When did you become a Christian? And he was speechless. He wasn't saved. my point is this. There could be somebody listening to me, perhaps on the internet or here, and you have the facts. You have it in your head. You know John three sixteen. You mean you know that Jesus died on the cross. You're touched by this, what He did for you, but you have never turned from your sin, repented of your sin. I talk about penance. Turn from your sin and say, Jesus, you are the only one who can save me and I'm calling upon you to forgive me and to give me eternal life. I can't do it on my own, it's not by my works. There could be somebody here listening to me, like I said, through the internet, and I urge you, do not wait. Behold, now is accepted time, behold, today is the day of salvation. Call upon him while he is near. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to get baptized, that's not it. You don't have to join the church, that's not it. You don't have to give a lot of money to the church, that's not it. But from your heart, you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Now, let's go back a little bit. The Thessalonians, Thessalonian believers at this church, from what we know, had made that decision, had accepted Jesus in their life, they were Christians. But, just like anybody else, they could, it could happen to us, they kind of got misled, and they started hearing some things and thinking, wow, 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 we're, we're, we're going through this. No, they were going through a tough time, admittedly, but it was not the tribulation period. I guess the flip side of this is, even if they did have some misunderstandings about it, they were going to be able to go to be with the Lord when the time came. I ask you, are you ready to meet the Lord? Have you invited Jesus as your savior? And if you have invited him into your life, are you living for him or just caught up in the mundane and the material things of this world? I encourage you and urge you, come back and follow him. So that someday when he does come for us and you stand before him, you will not be ashamed. You'll be glad that you are living faithfully for the Savior, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for oh wonderful, wonderful hope that we have in you. And uh, it's uh, rather disturbing to hear what's going to happen in the future. And in some ways, we don't want to hear that, but yet we know this is your word. You, we know that these are not just ideas or thoughts, but these things will indeed happen. And I pray that everyone under the sound of my, my voice might be ready that they have truly accepted you as their Savior. And then for every believer, Lord, help them to firmly grasp the promises of your word. Live with confidence, not in fear, but knowing that you're there. You will never leave them, forsake them. Please, dear God, help us to have a peace even this world cannot offer, but a peace that comes through the ministry of your Holy Spirit and your wonderful promises. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Keep your heads bowed, your eyes,